Thanks for joining in. It's been a little while since I've done a live stream. I've been scheduling up videos for the rest of the year. So basically every other day in November, there's stuff going up or even more frequently than that, actually. And then December, pretty much every day is already scheduled ahead of time. So plenty of, <laughs> plenty of stuff going up. Lots of cool guitars, cool amps, things I've had a lot of uh, requests for in terms of gear. Uh, just stuff I've borrowed, basically. So you'll see a lot of that coming up. So welcome, every everybody. Thanks for all the support. We've got Stephen D. Welcome, mate. Uh, White Rhino says, have I found that trainer amp yet? So I went to test one the other day. I found one on Gumtree, which is like Craigslist if you're from outside of Australia. And um, it was it was really good. Like it sounded great, but it was the 212 version and it was just too heavy. So I ended up deciding against it. The funny thing was, you know, like I hadn't lifted an amp for any amount of time for a while because I've just been at home for the last few months. So yeah, I think it could just be a strength related thing, but I want to wait and find, I want to wait till I find the single 12 version of that because it's a really great amplifier. So if I see a YCV 40, it's, and it's in good condition, like in the kind of condition that I would want to buy it in, it'd be a no brainer. So yeah, I might keep a little bit of money aside in PayPal just in case one of those shows up. Uh, Steve from UK, welcome, mate. Video quality is insane. Looks so crisp. Thank you, mate. So I'm working towards doing something next year that uh, hasn't been done, or at least I haven't done it before. So this will all be part of that tech, uh, and it should be a lot of fun. So hang in there. I've got good stuff coming up next year. And the, uh, the idea of Patreon and all of those super chats, everything gets reinvested back into the channel to make things better, to make the qualities better better and all that kind of stuff. I don't just blow it on crap. So um, yeah, thank you to everyone who's uh, contributed to make the channel better because it does it absolutely helps. Uh, all right, looks like we're all good. It's better than the recorded videos. It shouldn't be qu quite that good, but it should be, I mean, it should be the same in 1080p, but I, I record in 4K mostly. Um, but it's the same camera. The audio setup now is should be much, much better. I'm actually using a microphone that uh, normally requires a lot of other stuff and it should hopefully sound good. So fingers crossed. Uh, all right, everyone seems to like the quality. Awesome, thank you guys. How I changed the pickups in the PRS SE yet? That's from uh, Raphael. So I took the guitar down to the shop. I'm getting it done properly. I don't want to risk butchering it myself. When I opened up the PRS and had a look, there's a lot going on in there. I basically thought to myself, I'm going to rip out all of the tone pots, all of the volume controls, all that kind of stuff. Well, all one of them. And just have the... I, I never use the push-pull pots for the split coil. So for me, it's worth uh, just ripping that out and having it set up right properly the first time. I'm keeping the old pickups. So the theory is if the new ones don't sound better, the other one... The, I love the old pickups. This is... The, that's, it was a hard decision to which guitar do I put them in, but um, that was the only one I thought, yeah, look, if it doesn't work out, I'll put the old pickups back in, but I'm absolutely going to... Uh, to I should have that back in the next... I'm tipping in the next week or two, maybe a little bit longer. I'm not too sure yet. Give you Mirror, very cool name. I like that from Switzerland. Welcome, mate. Ken uh, Bussell, is it? What's up? 
It's Behringer UMC 22 with an SL75, good for decent recordings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the SL75C is the SM57 I use a lot on the channel. Anytime you see two amps, I've got a, a genuine SM57 and a Behringer one, and the Behringer one rocks. I actually, it's people won't believe this, but it, I think it sounds slightly nicer. It's like a just a warmer sound or something. It's got a bit more fatness to it. Um, but a 57 is a classic microphone. You can absolutely get a good recording with with that particular setup. I've got a consumer level sound card here. It's a Steinberg UMC22. Oh, you are 22, MK2, sorry. And that's all I use. So yeah, it, it, they sound great. You'll get good recordings with that. It's all about getting the right tone in the room, right? Like if, if the amp sounds great, it's easy to record. If the amp doesn't sound great in the room, then it's not going to sound good. So keep that in mind. Make sure when you set the amplifier up, and you get you got to have the tone in the room to begin with. Uh, you can't make it sound better after the fact. You can EQ stuff, but that doesn't always mean it's going to sound better. So the, I always say the best thing to do first is to get the audio, uh, get the get the sound that you want, the tone that you want at a volume that, that works for the recording. I just saw audio pop up here. I was like, audio? No, that's uh, getting confused there. Uh, someone asked about Laney's, did they? Have you ever played a Laney amp? Uh, very underrated. Yeah, I've got mixed, mixed uh, opinions on Laney's. Some of them sound great. There's a couple of 2x10s that sound really good. I had a two. I had the Vox AC30 clone, and it was very bland. I actually have a, you know, I just posted a video of the best amps I ever owned. I'm going to post a video about the worst amps I ever owned because <laughs> I think that'll be a good a counterbalance. So um, I bought a few duds over the years. I'm not going to say the Laney was a dud, but the Laney was maybe the most bland that I owned. I owned a VC30. The clean was okay, but nothing special, and the drive was okay, but nothing special, and it was heavy. But my friend had the 2x10s, which I think was a, I'm going to say a 15 or 20 watt amp, and that thing sounded great. So yeah, it really it really just depends. I think Laney's a, a real hit and miss amp, in my opinion. A bit like PVs. PVs can be a bit like that as well. But Laney's a, you know, I always used to joke and say it was like the poor man's, um, a poor man's Vox, my, my one, because it just wasn't quite as good. Had a very different sort of sound, just not as nice, you know. But it, yeah, I, I think they're hit and miss. So not a bad amp if you find the right one. Have I tried any boutique amps and what do I think of them? Yeah, I used to have a, a Two Rock Studio Pro 22, which was the, the most expensive amp I ever purchased. Um, and, you know, it was great. Uh, and I don't think necessarily boutique amps or hand-wired amps make things sound better. That's not always the case, but the best ones that come to mind, Dr. Rick's got a Victoria Regal, which is a phenomenal amplifier. That thing's just still one of the best amps I've ever heard. Um, yeah, I've tried some hand-wired amps that in hindsight weren't very good, but I've also tried, yeah, I've lost probably lost count of the amount. Well, Dr. Rick buys a lot of that sort of stuff, and I'm lucky enough to either hear it or try it and all that kind of thing too, so... Uh, most of the stuff he buys always sounds good. Morgans are really good too. I, I reckon he made a huge mistake getting rid of that Morgan. So if you're watching this, Rick, get one again, mate.
but it just comes down to the amp. Like not all amps are good. And even just because something's hand wired or because it's a boutique amp and it costs an X, X amount of money doesn't mean it sounds good. Uh, yeah, I've there's a few that I would never buy, even though they're really popular at the moment. Hi, Shane. You joined the live chat. Thanks, mate. It's been a while since uh, I've done one of these. So, yeah, as I mentioned earlier in the when I started the, this stream here, I've been in the process of filming, just queuing up as many videos as I can for the end of the year, and I've, I'm pretty much done. I think I've got one, one more to do at the moment, and then I'm done. So I, I, I killed it. Uh, as a left-handed guitar player, I'm proud of you. Uh, you show the world that left-handed players exist. Ah, thanks, mate. I, I want to thank uh, Albert King and Jimi Hendrix, first and foremost. And what's the dude from the Beatles? What's his name? Paul McCartney. He's a lefty. Uh, Eric Gales as well. Another, another great left-handed guitar player. And... I think that's all of them on the wall here. Yep. But uh, thanks, man. It's, a, it's weird, you know, like when I see guitars in the shop, I, I instantly just gravitate to the lefties. And for me, I'm so used to seeing myself play because I edit all, all of the videos. It looks normal to me now. I'm so used to it. But when I see any other left-handed player play, it looks weird to me. It's still, I don't know why that's the case. Ian from uh, New Zealand, welcome, mate. Thanks for stopping in. Is a Gibson Explorer flexible enough if it's your only guitar? I primarily play blues and metal. You know what? For th those two styles of music, absolutely. The burst buckers are great pickups. They got the burst buckers in the in both positions in those guitars. Same as my Flying V. I'm pretty sure from what I remember. Um, yeah, look at Metallica. You know they play those those guitars, and then Eric Clapton played a stint with a, an Explorer and ZZ Top. And yeah, look, the only thing about uh, Explorers, and this is kind of like the reverse of the Flying V, is there's nowhere to put your arm. So just just try one before you buy one, just to make sure if you're seated, there's nowhere you can really rest your arm on either of those two guitars. So yeah, that that's the only thing to take into consideration here. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, what's my top blues breaker style pedal? You know, the only one that I can really remember playing in recent times was an actual Marshall uh, blues breaker pedal. Uh, I know Greenchild make a blues breaker one, which the names escaped me. It's a like a. Uh, I've I've already done a review on it, but you know the blues breaker sounds not really for me. I, I'm not a big fan of it. It's a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It's just not quite as smooth as I would like. People love it. So it, it all comes down to what you, you really like. But you might be able to find an actual Marshall one. There's, they've got a few different series of uh, Blues Breaker pedals. I know the silver ones that they made, the, the single size pedals, they buy them for like 60 bucks used. So yeah, look, I'm not 100%. Um, I'm not 100% sure whether or not I've tested any other Blues Breakers in the last 12 months. I, I don't think I have. Yeah, so I'm not too sure. Uh, packing quilts on the wall behind the mic. Everyone says it never sounded better. I always just try to deaden one. Uh, to, Yeah, look, this is, a, this is a little bit of a test. I'm, I'm running a, a, a different system to normal. And yeah, I had a quick... I hit record and tested this off air before and it, 
it sounded okay, but if you're getting too many echoes, I'll sort that out. I do have, there is some material back behind the camera, but obviously not enough. Um, you should start posting covers. Yeah, look, I did um, Born Under a Bad Sign earlier in the year. I've got one more I want to release before the end of the year. I need to finish my part. It's got some great musos on there too. So it's a um, Freddie King cover. So uh, yeah, I'm going to try and get that done before the end of the year as well. That'll be the only other one that goes up. It's time. I love doing it, but it's it's kind of time consuming. And then finding good musos and them having time for it is also a bit hard sometimes too. Uh, doing up a poor encore strat. What would you recommend? Uh, pick up bridge wise. Um, man, pickups are all personal choice. I can't say here go buy this because you'll love it. It doesn't work like that. So. You've got to put in the time to really listen to as much stuff as you can. Um, yeah, there's no there's no real quick answer for that. It depends on what, what, what you're playing and what kind of styles you like and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and if you want to play with high gain or if you like classic strat tones, it's not really a question I can answer. Uh, Alios, is it? Uh, hey, Shane, just popping in to say you've been great. Helping me to starting a guitar player. Thanks, man. Hey, no worries at all. That's awesome. Hope it goes well. It's always good fun. I'm looking forward to playing live. Hopefully again next week if all goes well. Uh, uh, Philip says, hey, Shane, how's it going? Uh, PRS McCarty single cut 594 versus Gibson Les Paul Studio. Man, I reckon the Gibson. Go for that. It'll be cheaper. And it'll have other oh, studio. Um so the p90s right like mine so yeah i i don't know i kind of like the the gnarliness of the i reckon gibson's over the last sort of 12 years to 12 years 12 months to two years have been making some really great stuff so um again you got kind of got to play them both and make up your own mind but uh i know rick's not in love with his mccarty anymore and that didn't last long because he's playing gibson's now as well so yeah see See how you go. Try them both if you, if you can. A Gibson's a safe bet. You know, a PRS is like a piece of artwork. Gibson's, you can sort of smash them around a bit. <laughs> All right. What's the better option in your opinion? UX uh, 40BT or a Spark? Uh, you know, I haven't tried the Spark amps. Something about all of that digital crap now, I'm not interested in at all. Like the only one I would buy is the UX BT Lite. If you're going to get a small practice amp, they're fantastic. They're hundred bucks. They sound awesome. Yeah. You can use a phone with them and all that kind of stuff. But you don't have to, you can get great sound out of them. The one I've been recommending a lot of people check out if you're not into having a whole lot of, uh, you know, different effects and all that kind of stuff. Check out the Joyo BT. What's it called? The Joyo jam buddy. See how you go with that one. All right, let me just check something that looks like hopefully the stream hasn't dropped. Let me double check. I just want to double check. It looks like we're live still. That's really weird. It says it's not online, but anyway. Anytime I say like, anytime, or anytime I'm asked what's the best this or that, 
There's no, it's only my experience, right? If you play a completely different style of music, then my opinion doesn't really matter. And anyone who says, oh, you know, this is definitely the best, uh, it's, it's hard to really, unless you play a similar style of music and have a similar ear or like a similar style of tone, then it's pretty, it's pretty tough to, uh, to give you a definitive answer on all the things that are subjective. You know, there'll be people that will swear by a PRS over a Gibson and vice versa. So, yeah, there, there is no right or wrong. <laughs> uh, Dev says, best clone Centaur clone. In, in my opinion, the best one is this one. For a few reasons, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to justify this. Price, hundred and I think they're going up. They're about 119 US dollars. Handmade in Florida. Epic. They sound they sound great. They nailed the feel of the of the clon, but it also has something that makes it sound a little bit better. There's this high frequency shave off that, that you can enable with this switch that takes out a little bit of that high end. Clons don't always sound great on their own, but in the mix they 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 rock or as a boost they're really good. These this guy, man, Peter, who makes uh these Shelly pedals, the pony boy. Let me show you this up close. Is it going to focus? I don't know, manual focus. Ah! Here we go. That. That's the one. So go check that out. It's uh, really good. Shelly Pony Boy. Sorry about the uh, camera there. It went into weird picture in picture mode or something. Strange. But yeah, I, I, that one's great. And I've used it a lot. It's got Velcro on the back. Got Musical Highway, welcome, mate. Ray from Western Australia, welcome. We've got uh, WA's been like the uh, oasis in the world right now. I'm a lefty, but when I started this spring, I decided to teach myself right-handed. No regrets so far. The extra dexterity in my left hand comes in handy with weird chords. Very cool. Yeah, well, if it works for you, man, that's the way to do it. Absolutely. We got Roy from Idaho. Welcome, mate. Must be early there, right? Is that really early there? This is a bit earlier than I would usually live stream because I figured <laughs> all the people from either Australia have to stay up late and everyone from Europe always misses out. So, uh, Hey, Shane, I'm a big fan of your channel. What's the best way to figure out what eminent speaker will be best for my cab and amp? Uh, seems to be a lack of IRs and videos around. Go to guitarspeakerguide.com. Go there. <laughs> I've had so much experience with speakers and I've done the research and I've tested IRs out and I've tested physical speakers in actual amplifiers and I put together a big website full of stuff. There's many pages on that website. There's a menu at the top. So you can search by amplifier or, or by like helpful topic as well. So just, yeah, guitarspeakerguide.com. If you have any specific questions, let me know. But um, yeah, I've posted that resource website came about by the questions I've had about speakers and been posting videos for 10 plus years on, on guitar speakers. Do you like to use a distortion pedal over a clean channel or a dirty channel? Um, so with overdrive, I'll generally use that over either. Um, distortion, if it's a, an actual distortion pedal and not an overdrive they can usually sound better on a clean tone but it depends on the distortion I've, i never prefer a 
overdrive. Uh, I sorry, I never prefer a distortion over two overdrive pedals stacked. That's just me. There's something about the way that overdrives cut in a mix that sounds better to my ear than just a straight up distortion pedal. They always sound a bit too scooped, uh, which is what they're trying to do, but it's not really my kind of sound. So uh, yeah, um, just experiment around. But generally for straight up distortion tones, try it on a clean channel. I bought a Mexican Telecaster from Sky Music and it has a twang. Any suggestions other than changing strings? Uh, I need more information. <laughs> what do you mean by twang? I don't know what that means. Do you mean like it has a fret buzz or something? I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard the new ACDC album. I heard about it, but I haven't actually listened to it yet. Uh, do you like... Oh, sorry, that's the same. Huh? Thoughts on Harley Benton guitars? Yeah, they're great. Value for money, they're fantastic. I've reviewed probably six or seven of them on the channel. I've got a whole lot of reviews about them at uh, guitarpedaldemos.com as well. So, yeah, I am I think value for money, they're great. You know, I, I picked up one of the new Squires today and I thought to myself, I don't know if I like this better than some of the Harley Bentons for the same price. So, yeah, look, I, I had one that turned up and it wasn't in good shape, but the rest of them were pretty spot on. So, yeah, I think value for money, their T-52s are good. Um, their Fusion ones are really great as well. Their Les Paul style ones can be good. That was the one that turned up damaged, unfortunately. But generally speaking, like it sounds great and it feels good to play. Just, yeah, I think some people are having some issues with the shipping quality. Uh, you know, that's the biggest complaint. The complaints aren't normally about the guitars. They're pretty solid uh, instruments. <laughs> Flip says, uh, that's, that's it, uh, Gibson it is. Uh, tell me two guitars that you would save in a fire in your studio. Greetings from Mexico. Welcome, mate, or hola. Como estás? Uh, what is it? Como estás usted? Um, I probably save my 52 Tally and maybe the Flying V. That'd be a hard choice, man. It'd be a really hard choice. Hey, Vintage AI, welcome, mate. Are you still okay with the treble bleed mod on your Tokai? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was the best modification ever. That guitar sounds and it's it's unbelievably good. It's really, really good. Um completely changed my uh, uh feelings about playing it. it. It became instantly much, much better. The thing I always loved about the PRS was the fact that you could turn down and it would stay very clean. Now the Tokai, which is right behind me, does exactly that and still sounds fat. Best mod you can make to a guitar that loses that high frequency when you turn down. Do it. It's like a $5 mod. Hey, Jamal. Welcome, mate. Good morning. Go check out uh, Texas Blues Alley's latest uh, community jam. It was very cool. Jamal's shredding there with the, uh, the wah pedal over Voodoo Child. It was great. Uh, AJ says, have I heard of Hayes guitars in Australia? You know, I, I've heard of them only through word of mouth, but I, ha I don't actually know anything about them. So let me see. Let me see what they look like again. They're pretty inexpensive. I might, I might buy one and see what they're like uh, if there's a lefty. See if there's uh, 
I'm uploading it like eight mega second here, so let's see if it works. All right. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lefty or not, but I'll see what I can do. If I can get my hands on one, I'll, I will. Um, so yeah, as of right now, I haven't I haven't tried one. I don't like recommending stuff I haven't played, unless I know someone else who's got one. You know, whatever. Uh, saw my video on the lag high vibe. Is it similar to the Yamaha? Uh, it's not my video, mate. <laughs> it might have been Brett Kingman's or something. I, I've never reviewed a lag guitar. Uh, get the Katana 100. I already had one. I ended up selling it. it you know, they're good, but it wasn't for me in the end. You know, I just recently got a chance to test and play the Roland Blues Cube stage or artist. One of those two. It was really good. You know, the first time I tried one of the Q... What was it called? The, they're like the Blues Junior copy... Uh, the Blues Junior sized ones. The the Hot, I think it was called. Um, I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. But, man, I, I did the video of this Blues Cube and it was like that Strat video. I was like, oh, man. Everything just clicked. It was great. So, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. The katanas are great for someone who, you know, is getting going into music and they don't know what effects they like yet, yet they want something loud enough to jam and all that kind of stuff. So they, they're really strong amplifiers still. I just prefer simple stuff. Uh, and I think I'm going to stick with simple stuff. TBA rules. Yeah, oh man, Anthony's a dude. Um, got Joel from Texas. Welcome. Well, thanks for joining in, everybody. This is cool. If anyone has any more questions, feel free to let us know. We're going to stream for what I think to be about an hour. I don't know if we've got any, if I've got any way to tell how long I've been streaming here. Day twenty-six minutes, easy. Yeah, Jamal, you surprised me, man. It was uh, you were killing it. Uh, much, much more confident than the time before. I didn't mention that to you, but uh, yeah, the tones were good, and you got that really fast sort of pick thing down it was it was super cool hey quentin welcome mate uh did you ever swap speakers in your hot rod deluxe I, a lot yeah i've tried probably five or six speakers in that amp over the years um one of my favorite ones was a obscure neodymium speaker called a g12 vintage um and it was light and it sounded great um but on Fortunately, it was. It came with a. It actually came with a white hot rod deluxe called a a white lightning, and then later I bought another one of those speakers because they were so good. Yeah, it's called a. I think it was called a Celestian. It's either a G. G twelve vintage neodymium. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Um, they were really good. I mean, I've heard them. I've tried them with like creambacks. Swamp Thing's another great one. Any of the standards, the Texas Heat will work well in that as well. It just depends on what you like. But the Hot Rod version 4s are loaded with great speakers. So you shouldn't really want to be swapping them out. If you buy, buy an old one, you might want to do it. But with the newest ones, with the... What have they got? The, uh, the A-type speakers, they're really good. 
Yeah, in in terms of um the swamp things are a really safe Fender tone esque speaker for any Fender amp. So go for it. Yeah, Fender are putting them in their Blues Juniors now. So uh, you know that's uh, a good example of yeah they're just loud and clean and full sounding. You you love it. They got a great bass response as well. <laughs> that's all right james no worries man i get that a lot of people are like hey i saw your video on this i'm like either i'm losing my mind or i never did it yeah but lag's definitely not a brand i've done a review of uh hey shane never used a full tone ocd uh yeah i have I, I you know back when i first tested it i really liked it and it's a pedal now i would not use live ever um i find them a little bit on the there's this high frequency you can't get rid of, and it's it's always there. Uh, I think I would probably take the the full tone uh, plimsoll over the OCD if I had a choice, or I would just get a great tube screamer. Um, the OCDs are pretty good for sort of like rock and roll stuff, but for blues, they're not they're not quite the right vibe. So. Again, it comes down to what it is you, you'll be playing with it. If you do have a question about gear, put, just frame it in context about like, hey, I'm playing this style of music. What do you think of this? Because that gives me something to work with. Because, uh, you know, in the right hands, if someone's playing more alternative stuff, the, the full tone might be the way to go, right? Chris says, morning, Shane. I keep hearing that 80% of the tone is in the hands. What would you say is the most important thing that you can do with your hands to improve your tone? Attack. Attack, 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 and dynamics. So that's kind of like two things. But dynamics would be my one thing. Learn how to pick soft, learn how to pick hard, and learn how to play a lick with more than two notes with different intensity levels. And I'll show you. I finally put new strings on this thing. <laughs> After months. Where's my picks? So uh, dynamics is just like, you know, You know, playing something like, and then, so light and shade, you know, hard, soft, all that kind of stuff. It really makes, really makes a huge difference to your playing and it makes it stand out, especially live. So learn how to, don't pick every note the same attack. Don't play everything hard. Don't play everything soft or just really, it just becomes monotonous if it's one one dynamic the whole time. I had a few friends that play hard all of the time and it's fatiguing. I got a few friends that don't put any attack in their playing and it's boring. So <laughs> there's a there's a, a balance there. Listen to any of the good blues artists. They'll have great dynamics and a pick attack. Do I prefer an amp with a reverb on it? Absolutely. Yep, 100%. I love reverb. It gives me something to bounce off when I play. Uh, it was something I didn't realize until actually Ryan mentioned it once. He goes, man, you work the reverb so well. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, you you respond off it. I was like, oh, yeah, I've never really thought about that before. So, um, yeah, I, it's one of those things where it, it makes a, for me personally, it makes a big difference. I find reverbless amps dull to listen to unless you can get them to a point where they're, you know, got lots of sustain. All right, we've got our Bishow here. Uh, welcome, mate. We've got iRocks the Blues. Welcome, mate, from New York. New York. Uh, Bishow, Bishow says, sorry if I got your name wrong, mate. 
So this is a big fan of your channel and playing style. I started Guitar Journey a year ago, but I feel stuck and can't find a clear roadmap. Any suggestions? Um, yeah, so you got to find the music that inspires you to play. That's the first and foremost thing. When I first decided I wanted to play guitar, I'd already found some music that inspired me and I already had like, man, I'd love to learn a bit of that or a bit of this. And then when I found blues, it was like, all right, so now just go head first and find as much great music as you can and binge listen to the stuff that you love until you can sort of sing along with it in your head. Like if I put Eric Clapton's From the Cradle on, just as an example, or Albert King live in 1979, I can recall all the vocal lines and all the lead lines just in my mind. Like I know exactly what's coming out on the songs and that's a really good way of burning that stuff into your into your subconscious and it makes learning easier um, but i would just start playing by working out certain phrases really short sharp ones uh, that you can then use over different um yeah, if it's blues for example you can play one lick that's a slow blues lick over a shuffle if you speed it up so it's all about once you learn a lick from a from a lesson for example if you're going to learn from a lesson or from a cd or Spotify or whatever, then take that lick, put on 10 different backing tracks and make it work, make it fit. And that's that's the key, understanding the timing, understanding where it is you're going to have to place the notes over different tempos. A lot of people don't listen to the drums. It's the first and foremost thing every lead player should listen to is what what are the drums doing and how does what I do fit over the top? Um, or with is maybe a better thing. So... Yeah, um, always try to find stuff that will inspire you to play because if you don't have that and you're learning stuff you're not interested in, it's boring. I would hate to have learned like, you know, pop songs when I was wanting to learn blues. I would have quit. So you just got to find the stuff that really makes you want to learn and just pick small bits out of it and burn it into your muscle memory, whether it's a chord, whether it's a a change or something over a blues or a, or a riff or something, just, yeah, start there. But don't move on too fast. That's the other key thing too. You're just going to make sure that it it all kind of, uh, you've burnt it into your memory. <laughs> the Atenium magnets are dangerous. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's funny. Um What's it like having a massive number of subscribers? Do you spend half your life answering comments on videos? You know, I try. I still try to answer as many questions as I can, but I had to turn off uh, the comments. I get probably a thousand comments. It has to be almost, I reckon it's underestimating it would be a thousand comments a week. If I'm uploading three videos in a week, that would be a thousand comments. Plus the back catalog of all that stuff, It's it's impossible to really to keep on top of it anymore. And it would just be like, I'd wake up and there'd be 99 plus notifications every day. And I, I just can't, I can't do it. So um, I don't think my channel is that big in terms of subscribers. It gets a lot of views, <laughs> which means it gets a lot of comments. Um, but it, I don't think always subscribers tell the full story, but because there's channels that are like, have twice the amount of subscribers as mine, but they don't have half the amount of views every month. So uh, it's weird how YouTube works like that, but yeah, it's it's good and weird at the same time. I, I still, like, I'll go outside. I forget about it. 
and then you go to a guitar shop and people will say hi or whatever and it's kind of kind of cool but um yeah I, I don't answer as many comments on older videos anymore because either i've already answered a lot of comments and people are asking the same questions but i always try to respond on the newest videos that go up so if i release three videos in that week i'm generally checking the comment section uh, and then I kind of like almost have to let it go now. Oh, occasionally I'll see notifications, hey, this has been replied on. Do you want to re reply? And I will sometimes, but yeah, it's it's hard to manage when there's, you know, I don't know how many videos I got, probably 2,500 or something. But it, it's a weird channel in a way. Like it's it's never really escalated quickly. It took me ages to get to 100,000 views and then it's taken me, uh, sorry, 100,000 subscribers. And it's only taken two years to get to 150, which is really strange. So, um, but it's still, it's still not like, it's never a trending channel and that's cool. I don't mind. It's slow and steady. It just keeps on doing its thing. Uh, hi in the blues. Would you gig with a Squire or a Harley Benton, even if you own a Fender or Gibson? So that was the exact question I had to ask myself. You know, I was in a fortunate enough position to get a couple of Harley Bentons in and I had their equivalents in other brands. So um, the only time I would choose to take a less expensive guitar out is if I was doing a gig where I don't want to take my expensive guitars with me for one reason or another. Either the stage is too small, the crowd's a bit dodgy <laughs> or... I'm just not interested in bringing like the big one or the expensive one with me. Or the other reason would be if I've got a, say I don't have a Telecaster from Fender, but I've got the Harley Benton or Squire, then I'll take those out. Squires are really great. I used to gig with those all the time. But, you know, when it came down to do I use my PRS SE or do I take the Harley Benton CST24 out, I just take the PRS because it's the guitar I've had for longer and I, I invested in it. So, um, if you don't have a duplicate, then yes, you would take it out and you would have no problems with them. You know, Rick and I actually shot a whole lot of live footage with the Harley Bentons and that video never saw the light of day because we were using a phone and the phone was so glitchy and I was like, man, I don't know if I can upload this footage. Maybe we'll um, squeeze it into a podcast coming up. What do I think of TC Electronic pedals? Uh, I use a Gibson Les Paul and a Telecaster through a Marshall. I saw they're affordable. You know what? They're pretty good. I recently bought their Alma Cambo pedal, which uh, which is like another tube screamer, but it's great. It's really great. Supposedly they, excuse me, they purchased the the Behringer pedals or the or the they they've now modified Behringer pedals or something. But all those Behringer pedals are like classics, man. They're so good. So um, I haven't used all of the TC Electronic stuff, but. Yeah, I purchased that Alma Cambo, which is now called the Cambo only because they got sued, but it's really good. So yeah, this stuff this stuff seems fine. Ian says, any tips for getting a more stratty sound out of a Telecaster? Yeah, you need to find the right neck pickup. You don't want the bridge pickup on a Tally to sound like a Strat. You want the Tally bridge pickup. It rocks. So the trick, the trick to that is that you got to find a neck pickup that has a brighter sound, and that's that's the hardest thing to find on a Telecaster. 
And that's what I look for on a telly. I want that neck pickup to sound like closer to a, a Strat neck pickup. I want both pickups to sound awesome on the Telecaster and then bridge pickup to be telly all day. So, yeah. Um, you know, I actually got the uh, Johnny Highland pickups in that Keysaw guitar. And that's kind of like a Strat neck pickup with a telly bridge pickup. So maybe you can find a set of those. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people say the twisted tellies are the tw twisted telly neck pickup is the one to go for if you want that sort of stratty neck pickup. But have a listen to some videos and hit the forums as well. Uh, just see if you can find good information on it. Any chance of a channel shout out? Uh, trying to help musicians and everybody really who have suffered a stroke on a nightmare guitarist. Uh, online busker? Yeah, no worries, man. Hey, I tell you what, email me at intheblues at outlook.com and I'll take a look. And if it's good, I'll, I'll share it on my feed. Not just if it's good, but I like to double check stuff before I share stuff. <laughs> uh, let me scroll down. Behringer bought out TC Electronics. Ah, okay. That's what it was. All right. I wasn't sure which way that went. Man, Behringer are making some great stuff. You know, I went to the music store today and had a look at their... Um, they got these new sort of like live interface things. They're like a box. And it's all controlled via iPad and you, if you've or laptop or whatever you want to use. And it's like a live mixer. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I think it records internally. Um, yeah, you can do sends and, oh, it's cool, man. They're making some good stuff. And supposedly for all the mic nerds out there, they might be doing a, a dedicated podcasting microphone. So I can't wait to see if they do that. The one microphone they haven't cloned is an SM7B, which I, I can't wait to test. Um, but yeah, they make good stuff. They make some not great stuff, but they make a lot of good stuff now. What do I think of Rory Gallagher? Um, you know, I, I think he's... From what I've heard, he's great, but I haven't heard enough. It's just a guy that I keep forgetting to really dive into. His voice reminded me a lot of a lot of different people. Um, it reminded me of that time period where everybody sounded similar. But as a guitar player, man, it's great. Ah, there you go. This is a good question. Max says, have I tried the Mini Mates and 12 strings? Oh, no, not the 12 strings. I don't know if I've ever seen a lefty, but I've tried the six string ones and they're pretty cool. I actually picked one up today that was the lefty and six string and it was, it's great. It's got the AP5 pickup system. Really cool. Have I tried the GNL Assets uh, special tally with the big P90 style pickups? I don't think I have. I've reviewed a few of those at Jerry's. Um, it was like the the one I owned was basically like a, a typical Telecaster, and it was beautiful, man. I, I really wish I had kept that. It's it was a stupid mistake getting rid of it. Um, P ninety pickups. No, the the best one I remember testing was one in I think what they called Ice Black or something like that, and it had two. It was a Blues Boy, Chino Classic. ASAT or something, and it was really good. But uh, yeah, so I haven't tried the, their P90 ones. 
uh, from memory. Well, I don't see a lot of those guitars in Australia. I only find them when I'm anywhere else. <laughs> they just don't exist here. Or you can only buy like the, occasionally you'll see like the entry level ones that are made in wherever they're made overseas. Uh, Roy says, I really have seen guitars you wouldn't believe. Worked in a shop in the 90s and 2000s, Hondos and, uh, is it Macos? Is that how you say that? And Tyscores. Cool. I think you should check out the T-Bone mics. They're Toman's house brand. The MB75 SM57 is probably the best 57 clone I've heard. Okay, cool. All right, that's that's great. I'm always looking for mics. Um, yeah, I'm a big mic nerd. I have been for a long time. I've had mics for close to 20 years. So, uh, yeah, this one is a this is my podcast mic. I don't use this very often, but now now it works properly with my setup. So this is cool. Uh, LM Goldie says, "Hey Shane, any chance of a guitar switch Saturday in Tokyo once the lockdown is over? That would be awesome. You know what? I'd love to go there if." Supposedly, there's going to be these things called travel bubbles set up where I know like Singapore and states in Australia will have areas. I know that's not Japan, by the way, but just as an example, uh, where we'll have freedom to sort of go places. As soon as that happens, I'll go somewhere. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, I had some spicy food before. It always gets me. Uh, yeah, so I'd love to check out the shops there. I'd almost like to go with someone that's been there before because um, I don't know how easy it is as for someone who doesn't speak English, but uh, doesn't speak Japanese, I should say, or only speaks English. Man, I'm all over the place today. <clears throat> so, yeah, hang in there. I want to do a whole lot more Guitar Search Saturdays. I'm actually trying to tentatively plan some more local ones, uh, and it's just about getting them getting enough organized ahead of time to make the next series work so hey john welcome mate how did i miss the notification oh what's going on <laughs> uh wes says um trying not to buy any new guitars and save up for a vintage amp you demoing that mary k-esque strat yeah that strat was pretty special it was pretty special it was also $4,790. So, yeah, they better be good for that price. You know, interestingly enough, you know, a lot of people said, oh, I've never heard you play like that. It's funny how often I hear that on videos. <laughs> I heard that on the Gretsch one and I heard that on a few others. So, um, yeah, it, it inspired me to play. I did all of that in one take. I then did a shootout between, it's coming up, I think, next week, between that and mine and see if you can hear a difference. I think the, the playing also was flowing. So, yeah, that 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 custom shop guitar. Whoever buys that is going to have a guitar they'll never get rid of. It is so good, but it's double the price of the one I bought, right? So it, it's not twice as good. But uh, stay tuned for custom shop versus American American original or whatever I called the video. That's that's on its way. Uh, do you think the artist Tweed Twenty is enough to take the punishment of jamming, traveling, gigging, etc.? Well, mine's been great, but I look after my stuff too. So, um, if you, I've used, I have to have used mine fifty times live and loud. So, um, I've had no problems with it. I think the first one that I got the fuse was busted or something, but 
Um, the um the one I've got now has been batted around and gigged with and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so just take care of it. It should be fine. Great thing about the EL84 amps, you don't need to bias them. You just get another set, put them in. That's it. Oh, I shouldn't have had fizzy drink. Sorry. Uh, Zide, is it? Says, uh, what's on your pedal board? Um, so I just did a video on that last week. <laughs> so I just scroll back. I've got all, uh, I've got all of that in a video. I think it's actually literally called what's on my pedal board. Uh, so yeah, just, just scroll back. You'll, you'll see it, uh, a couple of weeks back at tops there. So. Hey, Adam. Thank you, mate. Yeah. Donated five bucks. Uh, what is the reason people use condenser mics to record vocals and is the reason is there a reason you shouldn't use an SM57? So an SM57 is a dynamic microphone, right? And they've got a very different they've got a, not only a very different frequency range, but they respond very differently to a condenser microphone. So condenser microphones have what they call a proximity effect. So if you can imagine getting really close to a microphone like this, it's gonna sound like it's got more bass. Um, with condenser microphones, you're getting the full 20 to 20 uh, audio range, so 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz, but you also get an enhanced proximity effect, and they're just generally a much more, I say flat in quotations, no microphone is really truly flat, but they have a far more pleasing recorded tonality to them than a 58 does. 58's a much better live microphone, and they can be used in the studio. I mean, Van Morrison uses 58s a lot of the time. But you hear a 58, even in a podcast, versus a condenser microphone or a... I'm not saying dynamic microphones are bad because they're not. But there's a huge difference. Studio microphone, like a like a Rode NT1 or a, you know any number of great microphones will be far better on a recording than a, a, a 58. But... I should also say that's in control conditions, right? If you've got an amplifier behind you or beside you or a band beside you and you're recording, use the 58 because the condenser microphone is going to pick up everything. In an isolated recording where someone's got headphones on and they're singing in a booth or at home, you might be have the microphone you know, uh, just away from any noisy audio sources and you, you'll just have headphones on listening back to the playback while singing, you'll get a far better sound. Um yeah, they've got a low noise floor. They're a lot more natural. They'll have better bass response, better high-end response, and they're just a better microphone for recording. Any Anything acoustic, basically. So, uh, yeah, thanks again. Hopefully that answered your question. But 58s are great. They've been around for 40 years because they're, they're awesome microphones. But, yeah, you'd notice a huge difference from a, a 58 to a Rode NT2A, for example. It's not even close. Uh, do I eat Vegemite? You know what? I used to love it. I haven't had it as much in the last 12 months. I go through these phases with it where I'm like addicted to it and then I go off it. I'm like, no, nah, I'm kind of done for a while. It's, got, it's a real sort of potent kind of taste. Rick Sanchez impressions. Uh, 
late night DJ. What the headphones? I just bought the Roland Blues Cube Artist after watching my review of it. Uh, probably the best best buy I've done. Love your channel. Thanks. Thanks, Frank. I have a new video of the Blues Cube coming up for next month, and it's great. I, I was shocked how great it sounded. Because I had a chance to try the, like, the next tone and the Katanas and a few other amps over the last, I guess, 12 months. And you know, I borrowed it without the expectation of being... It was like it exceeded my expectations. I really, really loved it. It's funny because I, I did a video that I posted this, well, about, I don't know, eight hours ago or something this morning. Uh, I know, but almost 12 hours ago, I should say. And um, yeah, it was, I said something like, oh, the Blues Cube wasn't as good as the Bandit or the, ba I think value for money, basically, you're saying the Bandit's a pretty strong amplifier. But, you know, after hearing it again, man, the, the, and I shot that video probably three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and then I actually did the review of the new review of the Blues Cube, uh, the Blues Cube, and I was like, man, the Blues Cube kicks ass. So, yeah, I'm gonna do again the best and worst of 2020. <laughs> that video will be on the way, so stay tuned for that. I hear Bono only uses 58s. I don't really like U2, but I heard this. Yeah, U2. I mean, they got some good stuff, but um. Yeah, look, there's, it, I mean, they got world-class producers, right? So they're going to make it sound good. And, you know, back in the day, man, he was like one of the best singers of, around. So it all can't, again, it's like give give Eric Clapton a, a, a squire. He's still going to sound like him. You know what I mean? So it, if you're just, if you, I always say, if you've got a home studio and you want a good all-rounder, a condenser microphone is good unless you're in a really noisy environment. If you're going to be doing any recording where the, the vocals are in the same room as the drums, then get a dynamic microphone. Don't buy a condenser. But if you've got the time to, like what I'm doing right now, right, there's no other ambient noise around, this or a condenser microphone or something like that would be a great choice. If I only had to use one mic to record the drums, what would I use? Uh, a Rode NT2 2A would be my choice because you can um, it's basically a dual diaphragm condenser mic and I would have it right over the snare in basically the, the polar pattern that picks up as much as possible but I would always opt to still have a a good kick mic any of those um, backing tracks I recorded with the kit in this room that, that was always only two microphones so the JTS Oh, what's, I always get it wrong. NX2, I'm going to say, kick mic. And I'd either use the Sennheiser E906 as an overhead or I'd use the Audio-Technica or the Rode NT2A, just whatever was out. Or even the uh, a Rode M3. Those mics are really great. And that would be a really great choice over the 58, actually. That's a really good all-rounder. So, sorry, I can't remember who was asking me about the 58 before, but... Uh, where was it? Let me scroll up. Adam. Yeah, try a Rode M3. They're a condenser microphone, but they they don't have a large capsule and they're a great live performance microphone and you can put them in front of anything and it, they'll sound great. I've used them for years. Yeah, I, 58 is the AK of microphones. I totally agree. <laughs> Marmite is better. 
Sorry, I'm just scrolling back up here. Jeff, thank you, mate. Thanks for the super chat or the sticker. Have a coffee. All right, I'll have a quick, uh, quick one here. Hobo Roadie says, I use a Procaster to, instead of a 57 to mic amps. And there's no reason why you can't do that. The Procasters are really, they're a highly insensitive microphone, which means you can blast whatever you like into them and you'll have no problems at all. I'm using this this thing on here to give me the audio, audio signal. It's called a, let's see if this works here. Can we see this? It's an SE Dynamite. It's giving me... Uh, 28 decibels of extra gain for this microphone so yeah without it the microphone is, is super low gain which means it's great for stuff like uh guitar amps that that's great you know i've never tried doing that i, I would like to give that a go yeah thanks again jeff appreciate it mate uh yeah look a lot of people say you need a treated room for condenser microphones I, i've never had a, a properly treated room and i i've done many albums for other people and myself that have had airplay here and i've never recorded vocals in a completely treated room and it's made no difference as long as you have the mic in a good spot and the gains set right um look if the room sounds terrible you might hear a bit of it but um home recordings now have never been better so yeah the bigger the diaphragm the more ambience you're going to hear too when it comes to Condenser mics, especially. Greg says, I've been using an active dynamic mic called the Stealth, made by Aston Mics. Okay, cool. Uh, I haven't heard of one of those before. It has a turn dial where you can change your path depending on what you're recording. So, like the polar pattern, is that what you mean? Very cool. Um, Jeff says, any tips on using the Captor X IRs, also hooking it up to a combo amp speaker? Yes. So I'll show you. This is how I run it. I, I love this thing. This is benched by, um, completely benched my Kemper. Captor X kicks ass. It's the best. It's the best yet out of all of this stuff so um initially i made a cable actually let's show you here is this gonna work so hoser make this connector <laughs> so you need to buy yourself i actually made uh, one of these from a uh, power cable but i figured i'd buy one at some point so this allows you to connect to, like, it's basically like a dual female plug. So you'll plug one speaker cable out of the Captor X into this, and then the other one will go to the actual physical speaker. And then you'll run the speaker output cable from the amp to the Captor X. And that's, this is how I run this. I might do a video about it, because when I got it, I was like, oh no, I, I don't know how to get this to work. So. Um, yeah, this this is what you need to get it done. Uh, otherwise, you can make yourself a, a pretty good cable by... Um... Sorry, let me just fix the focus and stuff now. Sorry, I shouldn't probably have done that this way. Um, 
yeah, you can make yourself a, a good female adapter by buying like a or cutting up an old extension cable, which is how I did it first, and then bought like a little what you'd see on a pedal input, like an input jack, and then solder that together. But um, Hoser make this, and they're like twelve bucks, and that that's the that's the missing ingredient. So uh, yeah. I might do a video about that because it's. I remember when I posted a photo of the cable I made. Andy Martin from uh, Reverb, he sent me a message. He goes, "Oh, you got a Captor X, did you?" I was like, hey, "Yep, <laughs> you had the same problem I had." It's like, how do you hook this up? So, yeah, for combos, you need one of these. Uh, and Hoser make this. They're really cool. I think on my on my review of it, I left links to these in the in the description because I knew someone would have that problem. Hey, Eli James. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So I might just take a couple more questions. If anyone has them and we'll wrap it up. I want to go live just at a different time of the day here and take some, make it a quick stream instead of the, one of those four hour ones. I'll timestamp this and leave it up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there's some funny comments going on here so yeah the the problem with the the difference between the two notes capital x and the two notes torpedo was there was no way to really feed the signal back to the onboard speaker now that it, the device is an attenuator when it comes down to connecting it to a combo you need one of these this is the this is the thing it makes the difference uh, Roy, I use mostly Diodario uh, 10 to 46, but I also use uh, the Ernie Ball uh, strings, the 11 to 48s from time to time. But most of them now are just the the 10 to 46 Diodarios, only because they're, they're usually cheaper. Yeah, I, I'm not big into like string brand snobbery i just buy whatever whatever's the cheapest but the diodarios have been pretty good i very rarely have ever put a string on it and it's like snapped or done anything funny so you know which ones i really like and i can't find them anywhere the fender bullets there's something about those strings they're really good i don't know why they're so hard to find what are those monitors i see in the background I don't know. Do you mean on the... I don't know. There shouldn't be any monitors back there unless you've seen a reflection of one on my uh, on my poster or something. I don't know. Uh, any issues with your Captor X? Mine is going back for warranty. So I had one problem with it off camera... This was like a few days later. I connected it to two or three different computers. Now it wasn't happy. So I had to factory reset it with the little button on the front and then hook it up to a different hook it up to the original computer, but factory reset it. And since then it's been fine. So I haven't had any problems with it. But that was the only issue I had was um yeah, that was it. That was the only problem I had was it wasn't connecting to the computer properly, but it still worked. I could still use it. So, yeah, it was really strange. But after I factory reset it, I have a feeling it went, because it went from a laptop that was Mac to Windows 10 and then to a different Mac, 
all these different operating systems. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not or, or what, but yeah, it's been fine. Like after I got some tips on how to like restore it, I haven't had any problems. I've used that on every single video you've heard. Uh, anytime I'm doing a guitar video, that's the unit you're hearing. Um, not on the amp demos, but on all of the all of the guitar and pedal stuff. It's it's so good. It kills the Kemper. Oh, the monitors. Sorry, sorry. You yeah, these are Adam Audio ones. T7V. So I'm thinking computer monitors. I'm like, how do you see that? I got a, I got a monitor back there. So the cool thing about the, someone, uh, where was it? Someone said the USB throws me off, Sean. So all of these things have USB and the Kemper had more problems connecting and freezing than I've ever had with the, um, so far at least with the, the Capdor X. The great thing about the Capdor, now that I've got it set up, so I've, I'm running the Eminent Swamp Thing IR that, I purchased through their shop uh, quite a while ago. I'm not connected at once to the computer. So it's done. I've got the sound I love and I don't have to mess with it again. And that's that's really cool. Just because you can hook something up to a computer doesn't mean you have to. Once you get it sorted, that you're pretty much good to go. So um, for me, having to always have like have something connected to an app sucks and i i totally agree so but once you get those set up and you like the sound you'll be you'll love it it's really great hey jeff thank you man thanks mate um appreciate the support mate thanks thanks again got the lefty uh les paul there looks good so on all of the new videos i've been doing lately i've been using the garage band drumming thing i've been like getting them to be really dynamic and interesting and it's been so much fun so yeah i'm having a blast like making new tracks with really good drum feels that work for the, the kind of vibe i'm going for and yeah it's been a lot of fun like i've really enjoyed although i've been really busy trying to get ahead of the schedule which I, i've done it's been great it's been phenomenal just being able to go okay i've got this idea Let's get some drums that work. You know, it's it's really fun. So thanks again, Jeff. I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Uh, Maddie Q from Mildura. Mildura. Welcome. Uh, scroll down. Roto sound of my favorite bass strings. Okay, cool. You know, I, I very rarely ever change strings on bass guitars. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Just they last. They seem to last forever. An actual bass player will tell you that you should change them from time to time, but guitar players pff, cares. Uh, Gary, welcome, mate. I've uh, been controlling my Spark amp using a tablet, so no need to hook it into a computer. Yeah, well, there you go. That's, I guess, the same sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, I guess more convenient. If you can do it via Wi-Fi or whatever, then go for it. 
or Bluetooth, I guess it would be with that. I haven't used it, but uh, yeah. I hear a lot of people loving those things. I should give them a shot at one point. I just don't need another practice amp. Like for me, the Joyo Jam Buddy is about as good as it gets. It's small. You can Bluetooth music from your phone to the unit and that's it. That's all you can do with your phone. The rest of it is just a speak. It's like a foot pedal with an amplifier speaker built in and a couple of channels and delay. It's really cool. I'm considering adding a very thin, thin 5mm pickup by National Resonators to the existing neck DiMazio pickup of my Ibanez. Just to see if it, if I raise the acoustic sound. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't know a lot about that sort of stuff, mate. I, when it comes to acoustic mods and pickups, yeah, I, I don't know much about them, sorry. But it sounds like a fun move, as long as it's not going to um, like be unrecoverable, unrecoverable or it's going to damage it permanently, go for it. Uh, is Mexico Telecaster worth the buy or say for a USA made tele? Oh, look, the made in Mexico stuff is great. There's nothing to stop you from using a made in Mexico Strata or a Telecaster long term. They're, they're really solid guitars. Most of the Strats I've ever owned, I'm with the exception of two, have all been made in Mexico ones. They're, they're really solid. Um, so, yeah. I always say make sure you play them before you buy them if you if if possible. But um, you know, Fender are always making pretty consistent instruments. You never really hear people go, Oh, they released junk this year. Sure, people might not like some of the new designs, but they're always making good guitars. They're the reason why they're so consistent, they're all machine cut. It's just like machine comes down, cuts them all, done. You know, so I mean, that's the sim simple version of it. But yeah, they're very consistent. Nothing wrong with those whatsoever. Andre says, Spark sounds dull to my ears. Best one so far is the Yamaha. Yeah, those Yamahas sound pretty cool. They're very... um, They've got like a produced guitar sound to them. They almost sound like they're... It's like a... Yeah, like someone's recorded it in a way that just sounds big. They're, they're good fun. I haven't done a review of those, but I have tried them. In Australia, they're so expensive, those little lamps. I don't know if they're expensive everywhere or not, but uh, yeah, th those Yamahas, man, they're several hundred dollars here. Uh, Lindsay, sorry, the chat just keeps moving. What would you think would be the first thing guitarists should learn to help picking and fretting hand sync? So one thing I did a lot of um, when I first started learning chords was to like play the chord, but don't push down too hard, right? Like it's really easy to want to push really hard and it, there's no benefit to it, right? So don't push too hard on your chord hand. Um, so make the chord shape if it's a D, take your hand off, but keep the shape and then put it back on and just keep doing this, <laughs> right? This will increase your muscle memory because you'll know, you'll get a sense of where your fingers like touch next to each other to make that, to make that shape. Some of it is visual, but a lot of it is like, you know, 
you can I can shut my eyes and play all the same stuff because it's it's like my fingers know the the feel of wh what I'm trying to do and how they kind of lock into each other. So make a chord, take your fingers off, play it again. Until you can do that, that's a really good way of just getting your muscle memory sorted in your rhythm hand. And then once you once you've got the D or whatever chord it is you're learning, put another one in there, like an A. I'll play A's like this because it's easier. And then just go back. And just keep moving them back and forth. Something as simple as that will help you to no end. I remember when I first learned um, Desire from U2, it was that. that That's a bit out of tune. But yeah, that was really hard on the muscle memory because I didn't, I couldn't make the changes very quick. So I used to just practice. Used to just keep doing that until I could get it <laughs> and then incorporate the other chord changes. All right, we'll take two more questions here. Um, Strange Day says, I just bought a guitar from your neck of the woods, a Cole Clark. Very cool, mate. Fat Lady 2EC. E Very cool. We were looking at a couple of those in the in the guitar shop earlier today. So, yeah, very nice. Whereabouts, uh, whereabouts are you from? What's that thunder thing behind you? Uh, I don't know. Scroll down. All right. I should re review the Lucas Nelson Les Paul Jr. Well, I don't know that one, mate. So, yeah. So many guitars I have no idea about. <laughs> or I just don't see them. It's an unfortunate state of a lot of builders. They just um, I don't, even if they're, I don't even see the advantage of like loaning them out. You know, it's strange. Um, I guess, you know what I've noticed? I feel like a lot of builders of instruments or amps, they're almost scared of being successful. It's really strange. Like they get to a point where people are, they're in demand and then they quit. It's like, man, I don't get it. I've seen that a few times where people just pack up shop. It's like, I guess maybe they're thinking, oh, to take it to the next level, I need to do this, 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 and this, and they can't be bothered. But I, I don't know. <laughs> Shane's guide to building guitars. Yeah, machine comes down. Done. That's it. Have I ever played a Maton? Yeah, I've owned two. So I had an EM325C acoustic and uh, one of their master sound electric guitars, which I think I had for about a month. <laughs> and then I ended up selling it. Yeah, their, their frets kill me, man. I, I love their pickups and I love, I like, and this is in their electric guitars, but I hated the feel. Of the, the neck felt like an acoustic guitar and the frets felt like an acoustic guitar and I couldn't get used to it. So I ended up flipping it. Beautiful looking instruments though. I've seen some people play them and I'm like, man, it sounds so good. But yeah, just a little bit, just not my thing. If I'm if I'd ever buy another Maton, it might be one of their acoustics. But I don't know if I would want to pay 
that sort of money again for an acoustic guitar because I just don't play acoustics anymore. Like I'm not that interested in it. I probably buy a Sigma for what I do, like or or a one of those um what are they called the uh, oh I forgot what they're called the Taylor GS Minis. That's probably my favorite acoustic and far cheaper for the equivalent in a Maton. No, I'm not answering any more Desert Island questions. <laughs> I do that every stream. <laughs> um, uh, Jamal says, I was torn between buying the Les Paul Special and the 60 Standard yesterday. I couldn't pass up that beautiful top on the Standard. Man, the Standard. Oh, so you did buy it, did you? <laughs> you madman. I tell you what, that guitar absolutely rocks. So I got the review coming up, I think, next week of that guitar. And man, oh, man. It was really cool. I went with a lot of sort of more common stuff for the end of the year. I just got all, all the Fender and Gibson stuff I could find and a couple of other brands just to throw in there as well. Some Gretsch and uh, there's some other stuff in there. But I got to tell you, man, the, there ain't nothing wrong with those uh, 60s Gibson Les Pauls. They're really cool. Uh, SX guitars I've owned two of, um, Sean. They're, they're great for their price. They're fantastic. Um, Squire CV Tally or Player Tally? You know, I'd probably end up buying a the Player one now. Uh, I think they're probably a they're probably a better instrument. I think the classic vibes are still really good, and there's there's nothing wrong with them, but they're heavier, and that's a bit of a deal breaker for me now. Especially, I think from what I understand, like. The, the classic vibe tallies are like now are way worse than when I got mine. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the case for all of them, but yeah, if weights are concerned, that might be a deal breaker. How about a, Mart a Martins are great. Yeah, I just don't play enough. Uh, I really don't play enough acoustic to really... Like, I'm, I don't have any inclination to buy one unless I find a GS Mini. There's a Sigma that I would consider, and it's a mini... It's like a mini Martin guitar, basically. They're the same sort of thing. Um, that would be the only other one I could see myself playing, but I just don't play enough acoustic, you know? A lot of the time, I'll write an album, and I'm like, man, I need an acoustic, and I'll buy one. And three months later, I haven't used it again after the recording, so I ended up selling it. So, yeah. <laughs> Ryan says, so what you're saying is there if you're on a desert island and the one question you'd want to have is to answer is not a desert island question. Yeah, that's it. Man, those desert island questions, it's kind of like um, what mood are you in on the day? You know, that's how I kind of feel about it. The answer I give one month isn't the same one a lot of the time. I'd give the next month. Oh, there we go. Uh, hoser coupler on Amazon. Yeah, keep getting gar garden hose accessories. If you can't find it, let me know. I'll find the link. Uh, the, I got it from. Um, I got it from. Oh, I've still got a bookmarked. Here you go. I got it from Store DJ a Shop in Australia. Here, I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but um, yeah, I've just posted the link. You can find the exact model number and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully that works. Yep, there it is.
SXPRS. Oh, you know, I haven't tried one of their... I don't even know if I've seen an SXPRS style one. I've seen the Les Pauls and the Tallies and the Strats. Um, but I don't know if I've ever come across their... Oh, at least in person anyway. I've seen them, but only online, those particular ones. Very cool. Is it Andre says uh, Sigma built some great licensed Martin copies. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, they're very, very similar to those. They're great. Yeah, you know, I was at um, Jerry's Lefty Guitars like three years ago now, and he had some. There's a. What's that expensive brand called? There's a. There's an offshoot of it. Ah, no. Ah. I'm not going to be able to. I'm just going to stop because I, I, it's been too long. I can't remember the, the brand name. But anyway, they had a cheaper alternative. It was much like the Sigma versus Martin kind of thing. And um, yeah, and those those were really nice too. But that gives you no information whatsoever. All right, how long have we been going? All right, we might as well go till the half hour mark and that's it. So uh, I was going to wrap it up at one hour today. Let me just scroll back up here. I might have missed a. Where was it? Eli says, I'd love a coffee colored Martin acoustic, maybe for a, a dozen or so strings. Okay, cool. Elsie uh, J says, Player, Tally, or PRS SE Custom? Does the PRS have the same twang when coil split? No. Um, the split coil is my least favorite thing on those guitars. I'm actually having it removed as we speak. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you want a tally tone, mate, get a tally. If you want the modern feel with 24 frets and being able to play all the way up and being able to use a whammy bar and have great humbucker, clear humbucker tone, then go for the, the PRS. Two completely different instruments. Two both very great instruments, but the, the coil split thing is crap. Remember the days before Google when we were stumped for days trying to remember something? Yeah, well, yeah, I absolutely remember that. I can't remember the name of this brand. Damn it. Um, I'm going to have to have a look now. See what... Collings, right? So Collings. They've also got... Uh, they they own an acoustic sub-brand, and they're really good, like how Seagull or Seagull in Canada own a lot of... Or Godin or Godan, however you say it, own a lot of other companies. So Collings own another acoustic brand, which... um. Which I cannot remember the name to save myself, but they were really good and fairly affordable considering like just how great they were. Like I think whenever I get back to Jerry's, I'm going to buy something nice from him. I, I can't remember what they were called, but it might be the time to get an acoustic. Uh, I can't I can't even see it on his website because none of these names look familiar, but uh, it wasn't the Collings brand one either. It was like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Someone can Google it, maybe. I'm not too sure. Ever played Dan Armstrong? I have not. I have a PRS SE2 satin and the humbuckers are way too dark. Wow, okay. 
Well, that's, that's strange. I, yeah, mine are super bright. I think it just depends, you know, like we tested three PRS SEs and the Carlos Santana one today. A friend of mine is right-handed and um, they all sounded completely different to each other. One sounded like a Les Paul, had a dark kind of thick overtone to it. Another one sounded like mine where it had all the tops in the world. The neck pickup on the Carlos Santana PRS is unbelievably good. One of the best neck pickups I've heard in ages. So, yeah, they all do vary a little bit. So play them all if you can and find the one that works for the sound you want. Sigma was, but Martin sold it. Okay. Yeah, I hear they're not like they're licensed, but they're not affiliated anymore with each other or something like that. I can't remember. Sassy Cat, welcome. Uh, Sean says Telecaster Esquire and Jazzmaster use a scale length of 25.5 inches while Les Paul uses 24.75 this is why the coil split will never be the same I also don't like the coil split in Gibsons or, or Epiphones either I always feel like it just sounds too anemic I don't know like why you would want that in a Les Paul to begin with I mean if it's your only guitar, maybe that comes in handy, but it's never as good. It just isn't as good as playing a, a Strat or a Telecaster or any two pickup guitar that has single coils, having that split coil thing. The only one guitar that I've ever heard that sounds good was this, um, it was like a super high-end PRS. Like, was a, what was it called? It was like a gold top one. It was killer. But it was also probably 10 grand. And that was the only one that was almost indistinguishable from like a Strat or a Tally. It sounded great in split coil mode. But DGT, is that, is that it? I'm going to go out with, go out on a limb and say that. But yeah, look, I, I don't know what it is, man. I'm not, I'm not convinced. I think what happens is that perceived volume drop makes it sound anemic. <laughs> you know, if you pick up a Strat, you, you get the Strat tone or the Tally. But when you go from like tapping or splitting a humbucker, it just doesn't do it as well. I, I would love it if it did, but I'm yet to hear any guitar where I think, oh, that's amazing, like other than that one PRS. So Waterloo, maybe that, yeah, you know what? That could be it. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the one. Yeah, I can't remember the... Uh... Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, maybe that is it. I'll have to look that up. 100% agree on the coil split. Don't like it on my custom 24 or CE24. On the PRS SE custom 24, the pickups are so bright, right? Like they're so... They've got so much top end that there's no need for it. It just becomes thin. And they're not fat sounding humbuckers either. So there's no reason to have that in there. I, I, I mean, if... Look. It's all subjective, of course, but all right, what do we go on time-wise? All right, we've got two minutes. I have an Epiphone Les Paul. Is it worth upgrading the pickups to Seymour Duncan's? Um, I think there's this weird thing I see a lot of, like 
everyone goes like first thing everybody thinks of and I've, i see it with my friends they're like oh, i'll put some seymour duncans in there i'm like have you thought about putting some gibson pickups in there they're probably no no more expensive and they're going to be just as good or better i mean that's what the seymour duncans are trying to do right they're trying to sound like gibsons not not all of them but if you're going to be putting them in a list paul odds are you're trying to get that sound so get a set of burst buckets from gibson or find the equivalent if they're cheaper in the uh in the Seymour Duncans. And that's not to belittle Seymour Duncan pickups. I actually like them. There's one I want to try that I haven't seen anyone review and it looks amazing. But yeah, like don't dismiss actual Gibson pickups because when you can when you compare Gibson to Epiphone, there's a there's quite a difference in the tone. So have a think about that. Yeah, that Vaughn Sko guy, I remember him doing a lot of speaker demos, but uh, I haven't seen his, his videos pop up on YouTube probably five years. The thrill of researching has indeed taken a bit of a hit. I always found I always found other really interesting stuff when I was looking for the answer. 22 frets over 25. Oh, man. Yeah, look, the scale length is going to change the sound of the guitar to some extent. I, I don't really know enough about specs, and I don't, I don't even really care too much for specs. <laughs> I've changed. The only things I really care about is fret size and, uh, like, the neck shape. That, that They're the two things that I'll look for the most. If it feels good to play, and will the frets last longer than a month? And if they do, then I'm good to go. But yeah, I really don't. I don't get too consumed with specs. And the more guitars I've played, I can pick almost any of the guitars up and shoot a video pretty quickly. Like, if it's a Strat and I'm used to playing a Strat, I don't even have to spend much time with it getting getting used to it. I'll just, you know, when I played the Gretsch recently, it was a guitar I haven't played for a long time and I sat down and I, I, I got comfortable on it. But normally now I can just pick anything up and play it. I, I really don't think twice about specs anymore it just doesn't yeah i think you just focus more on making it work and you know flowing on it and stuff that that's the coil split oh okay yeah so this is the one ex exception to the rule if you've got a like a ssh guitar and the bridge pickup can split coil I've played guitars where that works. Tom Anderson, get that right. Sir, get that right. Absolutely. And there'll be other other ones to add to that list as well. I didn't really think about that, but I was just talking in specifically about my experience with Gibson, Epiphone, and uh, PRS. I, I'm not a big fan of those split coil tones, but when you get in that situation where the, the humbucker can be split to match the other two pickups, then it makes sense because you, you're getting the same kind of output you would anyway from the other pickups. So... Yeah, that, that actually kind of works. Um, yeah, so I, I totally agree. I didn't think about that at all. So good good point. What attenuators were you using on your Marshall in the Gretsch Electromatic video recently? So every time I start the video part where I'm like, you know, let's all the isolated tone sections, I always show my signal chain. I'm always using... Whatever amplifier it is, whether it's the... I use the Marshall on that video. Pretty much use the Marshall all, all, 
up until the end of the year already, I've pre-shot all the videos. Uh, going into the Capdoor X. So I'm hearing my amp in the room through the speaker, but you're hearing like the, the mic'd up version through the Capdoor X and it sounds killer. It's a really cool sound. So um, yeah, the Capdoor is by far the best tool for what I do, hands down. No, no questions about it. Dr. Rick, what is he a doctor in? He's an actual medical doctor. He did my, he's a, what they call a GP, but he also does, um, he can do like low level sort of surgery stuff. So yeah, I don't know if it's low level, but he did my back surgery years ago. Really enjoyed the chat today. Thanks, Shane. Have a great day, everyone. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Bobby, welcome, man. <laughs> Mate, uh, good to see you back. That's cool. Um, all right, I'll take this last comment or question here. Um, do all the PRS SC models come with both? Oh, man. I'm not too sure, Bob. Sorry, mate. I'm not sure what that what that's saying there, but uh, anyway, we might uh, we might wrap wrap it up. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. We're gonna end up. It's gonna be a brutal live stream to timestamp. I'll try my best to do it. And if I don't, we'll do another one with, that's an hour because the timestamps take at least the same amount of time back. So uh, yeah, guys, rock on! Thank you so much for hanging out. I hope. Uh, yeah, I hope the stream worked all right because this is the start of good stuff coming up. It's going to be fun. So hang in there. I'm also going to try and record a live, uh, not a live jam, but a, we're going to record something coming up uh, with a few musos here. So that'll be fun. I don't know exactly when uh, that'll happen, maybe early next month, but there's going to be some music going up on the channel again, some jams, all that kind of thing with uh, a few of us. So, And all being well as of next week, we'll also be able to uh, play out live again, hopefully. So I don't know I don't know in what capacity just yet, but I'm hanging to play live. There's lots of cool stuff I haven't tested out. Uh, the Kiesel, both Vola guitars haven't seen any action live yet. Uh, what else? There's got to be some other stuff I haven't filmed. So um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm going to bring you some live footage again of the gear in the mix, all that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for hanging out. If you enjoyed the live stream, please give it a thumbs up. I may actually put this over on iTunes or uh, in the bluespodcast.com. Uh, make it audio only as well. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. I'll catch you on the next one. Now, how do I stop this? We're doing this a different way here. I'm going to make sure I don't uh, cut it too soon. <laughs> There's a bit of a lag. Anyway, guys, take care. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.